And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Mr. Ronald Gatewood. Lynn, how, thank you for being on the show today. How are you doing this afternoon? Oh, doing good. First of all, I, thanks a lot for thinking about me and considering me to be on your platform. But, man, doing good. Had a good weekend. Sunday is like self-care day for me, so pretty much relaxing, man. Wait, ready to get into the grind of the new week. Oh, I feel you. How was your, your previous week going for you? Previous week, pretty good. Had a few challenges at work. Um, so, had a guy on my team, and I've been knowing him since he's a student worker. And he got hired on full-time under another manager. And so, he's been doing desktop support for a while. And he actually landed a new role in the organization as a senior security analyst um, so I'm going to be losing a good guy for my team, but kind of happy with his success. Yeah. Um, but he supported the president and some of our VP officers. So I've been faced with the challenges of kind of filling that void. So that was my work challenge from last week. Okay. So always bittersweet when you lose a good team member. But on the flip side, it's always good to know that you have people on your team that other people won't. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that, man. Well, for the people at home, man, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So, Ronald Gatewood, Dr. Gatewood, Dr. G, to some of my students, um, from Columbus, Mississippi, born in Memphis, but a country boy, uh, decided that I wanted to join the military to help pay for college. I, I know a lot of people say they have different reasons to join the military, I'm going to be up front. I wanted the money. I wanted to help pay for college. But through the military, I kind of learned other skills. I learned the appreciation of serving, serving my country, discipline, selfless service, um, watching my back and watching other people's back. So did the military, went to Mississippi State. Uh, halfway through college, I had to do a deployment to go to Iraq and did that at a really, really young age, so that really helped me and forced me to mature some. Um, did good in the military, was even delegated uh, leadership duties in the military. So came back from the military, which that really gave me a sense of urgency to hurry up and complete school. So completed school, did an IT major, started off my first job at Dillard's, the retail store at their corporate headquarters in Little Rock, Arkansas and worked there as a computer programmer for about a year. Um, left there, because was there around the time that the economy started going bad. So I actually got laid off. And when I was at Mississippi State, I worked as a student worker. So somebody told me about a position opening up at Mississippi State. Applied for that, got that. Um, man, been at Mississippi State ever since. Went from desktop one to desktop two at Mississippi State. Had some good times supported the athletic department so really got a chance to have an appreciation of athletic support and the coaches and all the hours they put in so while I was back in Mississippi State it was a goal of mine to get my master's so got my master's continued to progress at Mississippi State became manager of the desktop team a few years ago which was really enlightening because some of the people who I worked under as a student worker now is 
I ended up being their manager and their boss, but it ended up being a good transition. Actually talked to everybody one-on-one. Now, I would kind of give the advice to every, ma- every manager, whenever you get ready to take over control of a new team, sit down, talk to everybody one-on-one to kind of see what's on their mind. So did that. Also started working on my doctorate and got my doctorate in 2019. So now I also teach part-time classes. Um, I try to volunteer some on the side and I do a lot of tech mentoring to those who want to be in the IT field. So I probably told you guys a little bit more than what you wanted to know, but that's pretty much me in a nutshell. (laughs) No, man, I really appreciate that. I, one thing that I've always appreciated and really want to spend some time to talk about today is that robust experience that you have, like you were talking about, you know, your veteran um, had the opportunity to serve your country, not only on um, the homeland, but also overseas. And we want to make sure I thank you for your service for that. Um, Of course, man. Thank you. And then also you served as an IT professional, not only as a, a student worker, but also as an employee and now a manager. And now, you know, you have your doctorate and like you're also a professor, not only um, teaching the curriculum that you on a day to day, like literally do from operations perspective, but also applying like the the new innovative approaches around what does that mean for today in our like ever changing, more digital society. And so I think, man, like from a perspective side, like you have a really robust experience. And like, I guess a question that I have for you or would like to talk with you about today is like that comparison between like your 20s versus your 30s. And like, um, I'm, I'm just curious, like when you think about growth, like um, what, how do you define it? Or how do you, how would you, yeah, how would you define it? With me, I define growth as not staying the same, always finding situations and positions that you can put yourself in, whether it's on the job or away from the job, but always putting yourself in situations where you can expand on your knowledge and on your experiences. Uh, when it seems like you've been doing the same thing over and over, I always feel like it's it's your duty to try to find something different, kind of like a muscle. If a muscle keeps doing the same thing, if it's not lifting, if it's not exerting extra force, there, there won't be any growth. So every now and then you got to put some some type of healthy pressure on yourself to look for different experiences. Mm. So let me ask you this then. So like what are the different types of um, metaphorical muscles that you've tried to focus on within your 20s that are different than your 30s? <laughs> I say, said in, in my 20s, 20s, I probably did a lot of kind of flying by the hip. Um, kind of was trying out a lot of different things. Didn't really have a true focus on certain goals and plans that I that I kind of wanted to, to outline and accomplish. For example, I don't know. I just told myself I wanted to master before I was 30. Didn't really have any good guidance or a plan on why I wanted that master. I just was like, hey, it's, I'm here. I'm going to be at higher ed. It's kind of cool to get it. Um, in my 30s, I started to be more analytical 
more methodical, more methodical about writing things down and actually thinking about three-year, five-year goals and thinking about where I want to be at the end of one year from the next year. And I would say it was better in my 30s to have those concrete goals instead of just flying about a hill. And if you're early in your career, there's necessarily nothing wrong about not knowing exactly what you want to do. Because I would say your 20s is a good time to kind of dibble and dabble and kind of do some experiments. But sometimes you're going to have to kind of get focused, come up with some concrete plans, even if that's a plan A and plan B, not only on your career goals, but also your financial goals. Um, Like I knew I wanted to make a certain amount of money by a certain amount of age. But it wasn't until my 30s when I actually started looking at different career opportunities to say, hey, these are the positions that pays this. These are the skills I need. Um, these are the circles I need to be around. So I would say my 30s was more more focused, more putting down actual measure, goals that could be measured. Yeah. So I'm, I, I challenge that a little bit because you, you okay. talk about um, – as far as shooting that from the hip in your 20s and stuff, but like as you were just saying, like um, you went to college um, and you wanted to make sure well, you joined the military so that you could pay for college, like you know, that's a strategic option, you know there's different people like find different methodologies of how they want to approach paying for different challenges or approaching different challenges and stuff and like even whenever you were in the military you gained you gained far more than you probably ever even anticipated than when you first joined in and so like i guess um if you can reflect back to when you were in your early 20s and you were in college like what were how would you say like some of the goals that you were having for yourself professionally and like how you were trying to pursue it um because it's like you essentially did that right like you did get your bachelor's in IT, you worked in the industry, and you still work in that industry today. Right, right. And, hey, that's a good point to challenge me on, because yeah, even my military career, the job I chose, thinking back on it, it was a job I chose because I knew I wanted to be in IT. Granted, the recruiter kind of bended the truth a little bit, which anybody ever think about the military, recruiters don't use their lie. Sometimes they don't tell the whole truth. So I told the guy I wanted a job working on computers. Well, he found me a job working on computers, but he didn't tell me that computer was going to be inside of a tank <laughs> telling, <laughs> telling the big cannons where to fire at. So he, he found me a job as a fire direct specialist, which I actually used it for my first few IT jobs for my resume because I was literally at a computer telling the cannons where to shoot. So... I would say being strategic and picking out what job I wanted in the military, being strategic and coming up with a plan to have the military help pay for college so that my mom wouldn't have that burden on herself. Um, and even the discipline from the military was kind of carried over to the discipline I needed to uh, finish school. And even uh resilience and how I learned to overcome obstacles because mm. I had a few times in school where I, I wasn't a good student, which actually had a wake-up call when I got a, le- a letter from the university telling me that I was going to be on probation. And me, I, I hate defeat, and I, I really, really hate 
having to admit defeat, admit defeat to other people. So the last thing I wanted to happen was I get kicked out of school and I was going to go back home and tell all these people who was rooting for me that, hey, yeah, I flunked out of school. Yeah. So I would say the military kind of kind of helped gave me some skills to overcome that. And some of those same skills, learning how to overcome obstacles, I've used I've used those in my career as mm-hmm. well. Do you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Because, like, you know, you talked about getting laid off from Dillard's, which, you know, is is a reality that unfortunately a lot of people different face especially like we've seen that happen with the the COVID-19 pandemic and we've seen that a lot in like um the rise and falls of a lot of industries as as some industries expand other ones begin to fall and so like you know it it's interesting because I think that to your point you talked about resiliency and like getting laid off and finding this opportunity at state um but then turning that into like essentially it became an ultimate blessing because not only you passed your idea of getting your masters in your 30s but you also got your doctorate and um now you literally write the book on what you do so Talking about overcoming obstacles, I would say my first major career obstacle was getting laid off at Dillard's. And granted, when they were recruiting us, they told us, hey, we've never had layoffs in the history of our business. But, yeah, when the economy started crashing, that kind of changed all of that. It was, I still remember that day. They called all, all of us into an auditorium. And I joke about it to this day. I wasn't really that mad about um, them telling us what I was mad about. When we got back to our cubes, they had the boxes waiting for us. Mm-hmm. So when I got to my cube, I started laughing. I'm like, man, y'all could have at least let a man go grab his own box. <laughs> <laughs> so we went through that. Um, and that was kind of a, kind of a humbling experience in itself. And it probably was good that I, I experienced that at a young age. One, I was blessed that I had money saved over from the military. So that kind of gave me a sense of a sense of calmness, a sense of like, okay, all right, you kind of did right. You saved some of your funds. So you have enough money to kind of cover you, cover you for a while and kind of gave me a buffer. Even though I was thinking about p- the other people who had families, married, had kids and mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, the looks on their face wasn't good. But it also kind of told me that, all right, you need to have more than one source of income in life if you can and always have skills that can be marketable that if you're ever in that situation again, you will be able to, to kind of bounce back, um, bounce back pretty fast. So I pretty much after that pretty much went on a job search, meeting different people, um, actually had a few temp jobs with before I got the job at Mississippi State and was actually about to take a job at Walmart before I took the job at Mississippi State. So once I overcome that and I got to Mississippi State, uh, another obstacle, and I even kind of faced this obstacle at Dillard's, there's not a lot of minorities in IT, especially a lot of uh, young black males. And when I joined the team that I joined, I was the only black person on that team. Uh, So I really had a challenge of identifying with other people on a personal level mm-hmm. because a lot, we had the tech incoming, but it forced like the music, the things we did after work, 
really didn't have anything in common on that aspect. But good thing the military kind of also put me in a situation where I had to be a part of teams where people were different from me, where we didn't have the same hobbies, but kind of learned. I learned that it's usually at least one or two things that once you talk to a person, it's usually one or two things you guys can find in common, whether it's sports or maybe it's just something like uh, watching the news and, and watching TV. Yeah. I think that that's a key point there, right? Like not necessarily, um, um, also diversifying your perspective so that like you can engage with people that um, have different interests than you, but then also knowing how to diversify your skill sets so that you're appealing to multiple markets as well. So like I- I'm right. I'm curious with you, how have you taken like um, or how have you approached um, taking your skill set and like IT um, desktop support and um, been able to turn that into, um, I guess you could say, a, like a multiple streams of income kind of approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, hey, and one more thing on diversity before I answer that question. I think my greatest lesson of diversity came from a sergeant, a guy named Sergeant Gilmore in the military. He would see me and one of my friends, another young black guy. He kind of noticed that we would always go to our to the side by ourselves. And one day he put us to the side, like, "Hey, stop doing it in your career. Um, get in the habit of going and talking to other people. Don't just segregate yourself with people who look just like you all the time, because you're gonna be missing out. So get in the habit of putting yourself in the circles, in places with other people, and, and talk to them, make small talk with them." Um, now, how has desktop support helped me and IT has helped me with doing different streams of income? I was able to take that knowledge and it actually started off on a volunteer basis with one of the local nonprofit um, boys and girls club. I actually started off volunteering with them where over time they had the need for more tech support and they actually started a conversation with me about um, putting me on payroll. Well, um, I went and got me a tech mentor, and he quickly told me, like, no, don't let them put you on payroll. Take this as an opportunity to come up with a support contract and do a contract with them. So that volunteer opportunity turned into a profit opportunity for me where I was able to learn skills on how to create a support contract, how to come up with SLA, SLA service level agreements, how to negotiate a contract. And from there, I was also able to pick up other tech jobs with other organizations, um, which also, it, it kind of got to the point where I found out that I would like to teach technology to other people and help mentor other people getting into tech and tech and that was one of the motivations for me to get my PhD and after I got my PhD I was blessed to become an adjunct professor which also enabled me to create another stream of income from IT yeah so what's some called man like it, it sounds like you already knew that you had that ambition that drive towards or just even the the love towards IT as a whole, as you talked about, like 
you know, it was something that you even knew you wanted to do in the military. And like, as you explored it, whether it's been in the military, working um, for um, a, I wouldn't necessarily say for profit, but a large organization and then an academic institution, you've gotten to see all the different perspectives of it to find what you feel to be your niche. Yeah, yeah. And even before the military, I actually got a cousin and I just told him this last year. So I had a cousin named Maurice Wicks and he played football at Valley and he majored in computer science or computer engineer. And man, he was good in football. He actually uh, went out and played, went out for trials for a few NFL teams. Uh, well, a tech job came through and he was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and take this opportunity with tech. And he ended up getting into tech, started out with desktop support, ended up learning network skills. And you know how it is when you have an older cousin, you always think your older cousins are cool. Yeah. So I remember he came home one weekend in a navigator and uh, he told me a little bit more about what he did. And he would even bring computers home to sell sometimes. <laughs> and through that, seeing him, I'm like, all right, man, this this not like the Steve Urkel nerd you see on TV dealing with computer. This is a guy down to earth, cool, listen to rap, dress fly, got a fly ride, and he's in IT. So that kind of helped start my passion in IT. So through that, through the military, uh, and when I started doing desktop support, and granted, most people get into desktop support only for a few years, and then they end up doing something else. I'm probably one of the few that actually got into desktop support and really liked being someone who could help people with their technology, help solve their problem. Because after a while, especially if you have the same clients and customers, you get to know them. And every time you help them with a technology issue, you kind of get a sense of, hey, I've helped that person. They be a whole lot better. Because you never know, you probably helped them with an issue that they were weighing waiting to get resolved so that they can meet a deadline that they were working on. Or mm-hmm. you have somebody who they got pictures of their grandkids on the computer and the computer isn't loading up and they're afraid that they're going to lose these valuable memories. So through that, I would say my passion of helping people and learning that there's really a need for customer service in regards to tech support and it's there's really a discipline in it um i just found out desktop desktop is where i wanted to be and helping people is where i wanted to be and not saying that later on i might want to do something more technical behind the scenes but now it's to me it's really empowering to be able to help people on the front lines with their technical issues yeah man i I think that that's a real key thing there, though. You know, you talk about like with who you are as a person and like, you know, as you were saying with your big cousin, like this is somebody that who I identify with. You know, he listens to rap. He's a cool dude. And then also as you get older and realize not only your own, like what what are the. Uh, aesthetics that appeal to you but what is that personal why that drives you and realizing that customer service and still being able to be yourself like you can do that with it i can see how like this professional passion can turn into like a a personal drive or a career so i guess that leads me to ask the question like you know 
you've always to me been one of those people that live life to the fullest you know what i'm saying like even whenever you had the big body with the wood grain sides or with your your dodge challenger or the different um, traveling trips that you go on i think that you've done a really good balance of um, managing the the personal life with the the professional life as well and i'm just curious around like uh, how has that transition around your personal life and that growth been like on the um, on the personal side for your 20s compared to your 30s? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a big, a drastic um, change between my 20s and 30s, and really more so my late 30s. 20s, I was in grind mode. Um, it, and my brother uh, and other family mem- family member would tell you I, I rarely took time off. If I took time off, it was planned way in the head. A time I was in grind mode, work, school, trying to learn all the skills um, I could. And also, I, I kind of had this pressure on me that I my one of my number one priorities was to take care of my job and take care of the people I work with, which. I actually felt kind of guilty sometimes when I did take time off in my 20s to the point that I would still be checking my emails. I would take my laptop out of time with me. Um, I was that guy who was still remote in to somebody's computers on the weekend because I've always um, believed in doing more and doing extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I'll go ahead and say in my 20s and a lot of times other young professionals can relate you want to do all those trips, you want to do all that fancy stuff, but a lot of times when you're first starting off, you don't have the funds to do that, right? Right. So you're pretty much in grind mode, trying to stack up your money, so maybe once a month or uh, every other month, you know, you can splurge and, and do something um exciting. Also, career, when it came to my career, my personal life, so early on, I learned that IT really isn't a good field to be in if you have bad credit because there might be some jobs you want that deal with classified information and you have to have a secret security clearance. And if you have bad credit, you might not get it because the way the government look at it as, hey, this guy is in debt and has bad credit, he's more likely to sell government secrets to enemies. Mm. So that kind of had pressure on me to kind of make smart financial decisions. And also something else that I always tell young young people, um, don't get caught hanging with the bad crowd. You know, go out, have fun, but be smart because you don't want to get caught with a felony because that's something else that in IT and other professions that that felony could, could hurt you. So starting off in my career, in my 20s, I was kind of careful about what I did, where I hung out at and things like that. Now, I say my 30s, when it came to uh, personal life, I started to understand more of giving back, how important it was to give back. Because in my 30s, I kind of started reflecting on my 20s and teenager years and started thinking about how when people invested into me, it helped me become the man that I was. So I became more involved in 4-H. I did some of my 20s, but I became really more involved in in my 30s. Um, I was open to do more mentoring in my 30s. Also, in my 30s, you know, I kind of started getting to the bag. So I started traveling more. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I started realizing that there's a, a really important need to have work-life balance. Now, some people out there, they say there's no such thing as work-life balance. I, I disagree. Even if it's you working more, you're doing more at work than you're doing on your personal, um, it's a trade-off. Depending yeah. where you are in your career, you everybody should be working to get to a point to where they're spending time at work, but they're also spending time at home doing things that they like, doing things that they enjoy. Because the longer you work and the further up the professional ladder you go, you're going to end up having more work stress depending on the sector you're working in. So you need to have that time to where, hey, you can go enjoy the fruits of your labor. You can go enjoy time with your friends. You can go travel some. And that was my main difference in my 20s and my and my 30s. 30s, I kind of still was in professional mode, but kind of did more to take more time for myself to enjoy life and enjoy the fruits of my labor. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, man. I, I'm hearing like in your answer, it sounds like you're kind of entering like a transition period now into your life. Um, would you say like um, now you're kind of at a point where how you define like living life to the fullest is a little bit different or like how would you define that today i guess today today i would define living life to the fullest being in the career that you enjoy um making enough money to where you can take care of your bills save but still also be able to enjoy on uh, that money to better go out and do things, create memories, whether it's traveling, whether it's working out, whether it's spending more time with your family and friends. Um, that's how, that's what I'm transitioning to now. And early on in my career, I used to just look at the dollars, like uh, I want to make this amount, this amount. Not so much now. Uh, any opportunity that come my way now, I would be looking to see, okay, uh, the money is good, but also would I get a chance to enjoy some of that money? Would I get a chance to have weekends off or do this higher salary come with all hands on deck all the time, all assets all the time to where the company can just call you all the time mm -hmm. and you never have any downtime. Uh, where I'm at now in my life, I, I, I don't want a position like that to where it's all hands on deck all the time to where you don't have an opportunity to enjoy life. Because now... I'm finding more valuable, more value and things you can't necessarily um, put a price to. Yeah. Price it, on. it sounds like um, it you you're entering a phase into your life where foresight is very important. So, like, how how does one establish or build that kind of foresight when making those kind of decisions, whether professionally or personally? I, I think it's important for them to know what's important to them. Uh, what bring them happiness and ref reflect and always reflect back on the previous week, the previous year, kind of go over in your mind what were those things that made you happy? Was um, working all week to make a certain amount of money, but yeah, you could buy all the materialistic things you can, you, you want it, but you didn't get a chance to actually appreciate that i mean did, did that make you happy or were you happy with having a good balance so to me it always comes down to an individual thing because i know some people who they want to work all the time just so that 
so that when they are off, they can ball out. They like working working 12-hour days and only having every other weekend off. Well, I know some people who they pretty much want to work 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, maybe a little overtime, but they want some time where they can go out in the woods and just relax. So I would I would tell everybody to think about what they want. And something one of my grandmothers uh, told me, don't get so caught up in the praises that everybody give you, especially when those praises don't match the goals you have for yourself. Because you could be a hard worker and you could be just working, working, working. And your job might be telling you, good job, good job. Hey, you're the best worker. But you you get to a point to where you're overworking yourself. You're stressing yourself out because you're trying to meet those praises that somebody else uh, gave to you. Mm. Yeah, no, it, if I'm hearing, if I can repeat back or what I'm hearing you or think I'm hearing you say, it's like the the whole, they kind of, not they, but society gives us we have a culture around being selfish is kind of negative, right? Like to your point, like you care about people. And part of the reason why you got into it is because it allows you, it fills your cup in the sense of being able to help people, no matter what their problem is, they may have a deadline or they may have some special memories on their computer and being able to help people fills your cup. But then at the same time, you know, you can't do things for necessarily other people in the sense of um, what you do to make sure that you fill your cup. You got to make sure what you're doing fills your cup and not necessarily other people's cup. Am I understanding that correctly? Oh, that's it. That's a, you just gave a bar right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and I would say earlier in my career, I was doing a lot to fill other people's cup but wasn't taking time to replenish mine. And I've had this conversation with other people before that, yeah, it's good to be able to help people. It's good to pour into people. But if you're that go-to person that people always come to you all the time, every now and then you're going to need to take some time so that people can pour back into you. If not, your cup is going to be empty and you're not going to do yourself any good and you're not going to do any good to the people you need to be serving and helping. Yeah. So how does... How does one necessarily do that? Right. Like that's a hard thing to do to set boundaries to say like, hey, man, you know, like I love you to death, but you are you're kind of uh, emptying out my cup and I need that. And that person could be anybody from like your own mother to like work or a loved one, whoever. So like how how would you go about setting that boundary? So with me, I had to learn how to do it and I wish I would have learned would have learned this earlier on in life and I'll be up, up front and transparent. I really just learned it the last few years. Um man, the most important person you could talk to to get in- insight from in most places is a janitor or custodial. Mm. So at the gym on campus, I built a relationship with an older lady uh, who was the custodial in the gym and um, one day me and her were talking she was like um, let your yes be yes and your no be no because sometimes people will put too much on you and she was like if you're going to say yes to something and complain about it just go ahead and say no that you can't do it Right. and what I learned is people will res- people respect more if you say no and you can't do it versus if you say yes and you don't come through um, I-, I had to learn to kind of tell people hey I'll get back with you or no I can't do it Hey, 
yeah, I know you called me, but my phone was on Do Not Disturb. And for first, I felt guilty about it, but after a while, I was like, you know what? Um, you work in customer support, and even when you're not at work, you're always pouring into people, you're always helping into people. Sometimes it's good to be selfish with your time. And when it comes to loved ones, yeah, it might hurt a little bit to kind of tell them no, but a lot of times they get a better version of you mm. when you tell them yes and you are able to do it versus you going along, you doing things, or even having conversations and talking to them when you're not in the mood. Because then you can get to the point to where you're kind of snappy, you have a bad attitude. So I kind of believe in order to be, give people the better version of you, you have to find that balance of when to be able to tell them no. And the times you can come through for them, uh, come through for them. But don't let other people put their burdens on you all the time to where it's getting you down because you're not going to be good for yourself or anybody else. Yeah, man. No, I, I totally agree with that, man. Um, well, you know, I really appreciate you taking out the time today, man, and like just taking out some moments to talk with me. Um, I just want to ask a few more questions so, that I ask on every single episode and I'll let you get rest, get back to the rest of your evening. OK, what is your favorite relaxation or self-care activity? Uh Exercise and traveling, yeah, those are my, those are the two things that where I really can relax. I feel like going to the gym, working out. That's the one gift you can give yourself, and that's your time. And you can't cheat it. You either gonna do it or you ain't. Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I I agree with that. Um, what is your best book recommendation? Ooh. and that kind of that usually changes depending on where I'm at. Right now, the best book is. An IT book called The Phoenix Project. Great book. Yeah, and I, I just got finished it, and I'm gonna I actually. Um, I didn't read it. I've been I've been on Audible this year. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think I think it's the first one I've listened to in like three days and was done with it. So I'm about to um, I'm about to go through and read it again and write some some notes on it. A lot of different um, a lot of different jewels being dropped. So if anybody in IT or anybody in management, even if you're doing management. At a factory, I, I highly recommend reading that book. Okay. And one person you want to thank for your journey thus far? Ooh, that's a hard one. Say one person? One person. Uh, I'm going to say based on where I'm at, career-wise now, um, a guy named Dr. Melvin Ray, who I met on campus, who was uh, a assistant vice president, which... And actually found out he was over my mom's thesis when she was working on her master. So it's kind of funny how small this world is and how <laughs> things come back around in circles. Yeah. Um, but him working at Higher Red in a leadership position for many years, he's been giving me a lot of get good advice. Okay. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for inviting me, man. Um, good luck with everything you're working on. I've always looked looked up to you and admired your um, your work ethic, man. So continue to do good things as you go forward. All right, thank you, man. Really appreciate that. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you liked today's episode and ever want to listen to more, 
Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.